quite possibly one of the biggest lies in media is that voter fraud is near non-existent, when in fact you can easily do a Google search and find a plethora of stories from many of these same outlets about voter fraud. We got some really big stories. How about this one? Dead cat gets voter registration application in the mail. The cat's been dead for 12 years. Owner says her late pet pet was a demo cat. Haha. Very, very funny. Now, I decided to lead with this because of the sheer absurdity of the story. But we've actually got a more serious story. A mail carrier literally pled guilty to manipulating mail-in ballots. We also have several charges up in Patterson, New Jersey. Trump has cited this. And the media is trying to fact check him that he's wrong when, in fact, the story proves him right. Here's the question I have when it comes to voter fraud. What amount of voter fraud would be enough for the media to say, yes, it exists? You know what the answer for me is? One story. If you give me one story saying voter fraud, I say, well, there, by definition of what existence means, we have the existence of voter fraud. So they try to argue, but it's not widespread. Define widespread. Would you demand 10,000 voter fraud stories for you to actually believe there's a problem? Or would 100 be enough? So here's what I did. I've got some breaking news. This mail carrier is pleading guilty. A dead cat is getting a voter registration application in the mail. And this shows us exactly what's going on and the risks we face when we switch to mail-in ballots. The reason why I'm particularly perturbed uh, as, it, as it pertains to the story is that I've got a mail-in ballot sitting right here. Now, I personally never received my mail-in ballot for the primary in New Jersey. I did receive an application, but I wasn't given any clear instructions as to what I was supposed to do. However, someone who doesn't live in my home did receive this. So yes, I see problems. And what I think we can expect come November is both sides, Democrat or Republican, are going to have the opportunity to claim voter fraud happened. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. It's coming. They say, many people say this, no one's going to accept the results of the election anyway. So why does it matter? It's a good question. But I'll tell you this right now. The media would tell you it's not true. How would you like to take a ride with me back in time, 10 years, and I will pull up many, many wide ranging instances of low scale to higher scale voter fraud. And I'll show you exactly how this plays out. But first, what's going on with the dead cat that received a registration to vote? Bear with me. This story is funny and then we'll get serious. Before we get started, however, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. There is a a PO box if you'd like to send me stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video and subscribe. If you really like what I do, sharing really does help because I'm competing with many big news outlets and I don't have the big marketing budget they do. But if you just want to watch, then make sure you subscribe, hit the like button and the notification bell. I notice I got to be honest, man, a lot of people aren't subscribed, but are regular viewers. So it really would help if you do subscribe. I would appreciate it. But let's read the news from Fox. Cat gets voter registration application in the mail after dying 12 years ago. Now, I know this story may seem silly, but there is a legitimate reason why I show you this. Third party organizations send out pre-filled out voter registration application forms to people because they're, they're, they're believing this person might lean a certain way or they live in a certain area that has a higher density of a certain political party, and they're hoping to increase voter turnout. But this could result in cats getting voter registration. And I'll show you why this is so insidious. I understand a cat can't vote. But what about someone who shouldn't be voting, but who gets the application? 
fills it out and then is able to. They say an Atlanta family said it received a voter registration form this week for their cat, Cody Timms, who died 12 years ago. Quote, there's a huge push, but if they're trying to register cats, I'm not sure who else they're trying to register. The feline's owner, Carol Tim, said, I'm not sure if they're trying to register dogs, mice, snakes. Very clever joke. The Tims say they found the forms addressed to the cat in their mailbox on Wednesday. Carol Tims described Cody as a great cat, indoor and outdoor, who loved his family, loved his neighborhood, and lived to the age of 18. But in terms of his voting prospects, he's a cat and he's been dead for a long time. The Georgia Secretary of State's office told the station that they did not send out the form and that third party groups behind such applications often use mailing lists to obtain names and addresses of people. And in this case, a cat, quote, third party groups all over the county country are targeting Georgia to help registration qualified individuals. This group makes you wonder what these out of town activists are really doing. Make no mistake about it. This office is dedicated to investigating all types of fraud. Asked how Cody might have voted in the polls if he could. Tim's told Fox 5 that he was a Democrat. Ha 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 ha. Well, the Secretary of State's office, my understanding is they said, even if the cat was registered and went in to vote, the cat would not be able to because it doesn't have a driver's license. You can see there the importance of voter ID. Let's get serious. I assure you there are many undocumented immigrants who may have received these forms and may not be aware. Worse still, there may be many permanent residents who are not legally allowed to vote who received the form and didn't know they are not allowed to vote. This has happened already. I believe it was in Texas. There was a legal resident of the U.S. who has been here for a very long time. This woman, in my understanding, is, was quite old. She, was, uh, she received some kind of voter registration. She voted and then found out she wasn't allowed, but she didn't realize it. Now, of course, you know, that's, 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 that's an illegal vote. You can't do it. And they held her personally responsible. This is a problem I have with many of these organizations. They don't care what happens to the people who don't know they shouldn't be voting and then go and do it. And some of them may end up in prison. Worse still, it could nullify an election if a certain number of votes are proven to have been fraudulent or illegal. But this brings me now to the more serious story. Evidence of voter fraud, easily discoverable. You want to know what I did? I'll tell you what I did. I went on to Google. I chose a year before the election, the recent elections. And I said voter fraud. And guess what I found? A ridiculous amount of stories about legit voter fraud being uncovered. High level voter fraud and manipulation. It exists. And let's get serious. A mail carrier. This is breaking news, by the way. A mail carrier took people's absentee ballot requests and switched their party to Republican. Thomas Cooper of West Virginia is facing eight years in federal prison. Apparently pled guilty. Now, you want to know why this is a big deal? Right off the bat, many states, many jurisdictions have closed primaries. If you took a Democrat and switched their party to Republican, they would not be able to vote in the primary. And who would that hurt? Who would that help? Well, depending on which area this is, who these individuals are, it could help or hurt Bernie or Biden. Here's a story from BuzzFeed News of all places. A West Virginia mail carrier is facing prison time after admitting he attempted election fraud by changing the party's registration of people who had requested absentee ballots for the state's June primary, officials announced Thursday. Thomas Cooper of Dry Fork signed an agreement in which he pleaded guilty to one count of attempting to defraud the residents of West Virginia of a fair election and one count of injury to the mail. In a May 26 criminal complaint, 
Prosecutors detailed how the clerk of Pendleton County discovered the eight 2020 primary election mail-in absentee requests appeared to have been altered using a black pen. Five of the requests had been altered, so the voters' ballot choice was switched from Democrat to Republican. But the clerk knew some of the voters were not Republicans, and when she called them, they told her they had used blue pens to request Democratic ballots before dropping off the requests at the post office. For the other three, officials said the party wasn't changed, but the request had been altered. Do you know what the problem here is? First of all, they're going to say it was only eight people. I get it. Well, hold on. Dude, these are individuals. They're being disenfranchised. That's not fair. But I tell you now the big problem with switching to mail-in ballots. Several people, organizations, high-profile activists have said, many people have said, that the security is the same for mail-in ballots. First of all, it's not. I'm looking at one that should never have arrived to a house where this person doesn't live. But okay, let's entertain that notion. With mail-in ballots versus absentee ballots, you have widespread usage. That means you are maximizing the, the probability of some kind of fault or failure. If you have 100 absentee ballots out of 100,000, and 1% of those absentee ballots get manipulated, it's a single vote. But what happens when you switch now to 100,000 mail-in ballots? You now have 1,000 votes swinging in a certain direction because they're being manipulated. Not only that, but you increase the amount of people who interact with these ballots, increasing the percentage likelihood of more fraud. Guess what? We uncovered this plot. It was one person doing something dumb and they switched several ballots, they got caught. And people will say it was only eight. Listen, like the cockroach on the wall, there's probably for every one you see on the wall, a thousand more hiding behind it. Don't we want to secure our election process? How could we have gone for years of them claiming the Russians are manipulating our election? To the Democrats now saying we should weaken our election security. We know that ballots can be manipulated. We know there is fraud. We have the proof. It's especially bad in Patterson, New Jersey. Shouldn't we demand more security? Why less? Oh, because of COVID, they say. Listen, I'm sorry. If we are not prepared for an emergency like COVID, I do not believe we should be changing our election security and weakening it just because of an emergency. It means next time. It means right now we say there's a problem, but for the sake of a fair election and security, we must change it after the fact. We have four years to plan this out. They say when investigators met with Cooper in late April, he admitted to changing some of the ballots. I did it as a joke, he said. Ha ha. Yeah, right. I didn't even know them. Cooper faces up to eight years in prison, although prosecutors have agreed as part of the plea deal to call for a reduced sentence. Cooper attorney Scott Kernut told BuzzFeed News his client had engaged in a silly lark. He is deeply sorry for the implications for our democratic process. It should be remembered, however, that the, ma- the mail he altered were requests for ballots, not ballots themselves. Altering their party affiliation can remove them from a primary, mind you. Regardless, it's fraud nonetheless. They could, the, the applications could have been disqualified. You could make them look fake or bad. or on, on, By switching the party, they might say, I don't know which party they actually want. And therein lies the big problem. I'm sorry, however, for those that, um, for those that thought this is a one-off. I've got so much more for you, and you're going to love it. Donald Trump tweeted about Patterson, New Jersey last week. So what did NPR say? Fact check. New Jersey election fraud case draws a Trump tweet, but suggests safeguards safeguards are working. It suggests they do sometimes, but it also suggests something absolutely worse. 
This I find funny because the framing of the story is positive when it should be, in my opinion, negative. But I'll tell you what, read the story, take their positive view, and I'll give the negative one. They say, when President Trump tweeted Sunday night about alleged voter fraud in a May special election in New Jersey, he tried to wrap it into his ongoing effort to claim voting by mail is less secure than in-person voting. It literally is. Absentee ballots are fine. A person has to go through a process to get and use them. Mail-in voting, on the other hand, will lead to the most corrupt election in USA history. Bad, thing, bad things happens with mail-ins. Just look at the special election in Patterson, New Jersey. 19% of ballots of fraud while they were disqualified. I don't know if they were a fraud or not. Some people complain saying they weren't a fraud. But guess what? Here's what they say. Election law experts say that Trump's spotlight on the case also shows how, uh, both how rare these kinds of cases are and the safeguards in place to protect the integrity of ballots. I am so sick of that opinion. If you find one cockroach, you assume there's a thousand more, right? Why would we just say we only found one that proves there's none? You got a cockroach in the wall. Well, there you go. There's your proof. There's one cockroach. No, there's probably a lot more hidden somewhere else. They got to come from somewhere, right? Now, I can't tell you how rampant voter fraud is. It doesn't matter if it's widespread or rare. It matters that it exists. And if Trump won some states by only a few thousand votes and you increase the probability, you see where we're going with this. But mind you, it could go both ways. Both sides could cheat. Now, here's the best part. Here's what they say. In the story, they mentioned that they rejected about 20% of the votes. But they say the most important part is that the most important part, in my opinion, is this. In fact, there are many more common reasons for a ballot to be thrown out, such as a signature that doesn't match election records or if the ballot was received after the deadline. It was also the first election in New Jersey conducted entirely vote by mail. And officials have warned of hiccups in matching signatures, uh, processing paper ballots and receiving the mail on time. Although critics, including Trump, have claimed that a surge in mail and voting will leave the election system prone to fraud, voting rights advocates in New Jersey say some of the same security features that exist for in-person voting also feature vote by are also feature in uh, vote by mail. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. That is not that's a non sequitur. That does not in any way connect. Let me tell you something. If this was the first vote by mail in New Jersey and 20 percent got disqualified, that's a false start. How about we realize, whoa, 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 the first one and it was bad? (laughs) Yikes, man. I can only imagine we're going to have a very, very high rate of failure if that's the case. Or we can at least assume it. Coming out and saying, yes, but there are some of the same security features doesn't change the fact that the first mail-in vote in Jersey had 20% of the votes disqualified. I'm sick and tired of this narrative that voting fraud doesn't exist. It absolutely does. Let's play a game. New York accused of denying too many absentee ballots without fixes just from a couple days ago. It has begun. The lawsuits are already popping up. And this is in New York, a Democratic state with a massive Democratic city. And they are already suing. New York officials were sued for allegedly violating the rights of voters by rejecting mail-in ballots at one of the highest rates in in, in the U.S. without giving voters a chance to address possible irregularities. I am telling you now, we are in for a wild ride. It has only just begun. About less than four months out now from one of the most important elections in our history. I think both Democrats and Republicans agree on that. And many other factions agree on this too. I understand there's more than just Democrat and Republican. And we're already seeing this. Voter fraud in New Jersey, voter fraud in West Virginia. New York is denying too many ballots. They're being sued over this. It 
will be bedlam. I tell you this now. And you think it's going to be election night? No, I'm sorry. It's going to be election month. And what happens if we go beyond the deadline of December 14th? Well, as many leftists, a couple, uh, the founder of MSNBC wrote for Newsweek, it will then fall to SCOTUS, who will likely suspend the Electoral College count, give it to the House of Representatives. And then, hey, good news for Donald Trump, because the Republicans have the majority of the delegations in the House, meaning Donald Trump wins. End of story. So I can't tell you why Democrats are pulling for this unless they really want Trump to win. But that's the trick. I can give you all the reasons in the world why it seems like Trump is actually doing bad, why he's on track to lose by any normal metric. But all this weird nonsense they're pulling, in my opinion, I just see this. The irregularities will give Trump the win. You've got the rioting. That's going to push sentiment for Trump. But then you've got the broken election process being pushed by Democrats. They must really want Trump to win. I bring you now on the journey. Woman accused of mailing checked off ballot requests makes court appearance June 17th, just last month. Around, she was accused of causing around 300 rejected ballot requests in uh, Vanderbur, Vanderbro County and has pleaded not guilty. Janet Reed was in court Wednesday morning. Election officials say she mailed out ballot requests to voters with the Democratic Party box already checked off. Very interesting. She doesn't work for the election office. She is charged with unauthorized absentee ballots, a level six felony. All right. Evansville, Indiana. But did you think that was it? How about this one? We go back in time to last year. Leslie McCray Dallas, political operative charged in North Carolina congressional race. This guy, I believe, was a Republican. He was accused of directing workers to collect and mail in other people's absentee ballots during the 2018 Republican congressional primary and the 2016 general election. It's against the law. And there's more. How about we go back to the, uh, where's, where's the date on this one? This one is uh, Atlanta City Councilman. Uh, let me just read it for you. In Trenton, a state grand jury indicted Atlantic City Councilman Marty Small and 13 members of his failed mayoral campaign Thursday on voter fraud, uh, tampering and conspiracy charges. So I don't think they have the proper. This is from uh, I don't know when this is from September 4th, 2009. So we're going back in time. Now, you might say it's a it's a local election or it's a city councilman. Sure, sure. But it happens and people get caught. And this is the point. I want to go back in time. So this is, this is, an, uh, this is the wrong uh, article. I want to go back in time to 2009, Acorn. Acorn charged in voter registration fraud case in Nevada, Las Vegas, May 5th, 2009. A prominent anti-poverty organization that drew criticism from Republicans during last year's presidential race was charged by Nevada officials Monday with engaging in voter registration fraud. Two former leaders of the group's Nevada branch were also charged in connection with the submission of thousands of bogus voter registration forms. How about that? Why don't we pop over to good old Wikipedia to see what this is all about? You see, ACOR no longer exists, partly due to the work of Project Veritas. You want to talk about real journalism, not these outlets that keep saying voter fraud isn't a real concern. Well, how about you go ask Veritas, who actually uncovered a lot of the weird goings on of ACORN and have since uncovered a lot of malfeasance at many major corporations. One of the fast, one of the last few real journalism outlets that exists, if you were to ask me. I bring you now to widespread voter fraud over the span of several years. In 2007, in Washington state, in which seven temporary employees of Acorn were charged with submitting fraudulent voter registrations, Acorn agreed to pay King County $25,000 for its investigative costs and acknowledged that the national organization could be subject to criminal prosecution if, it, if fraud occurs again, meaning fraud occurred. According to the prosecutor, the misconduct was done 
as an easy way to get paid, not as an attempt to influence the outcome of elections. But that doesn't matter. Okay, what matters is that it happens and it happens a lot. I don't care what the intent of these individuals are. For all I know, there's going to be people who are doing voter registration now, sending their registration to dead cats, hoping they get paid. But it will manipulate the election or at the very least give either party the opportunity to demand a lawsuit, which results in absolute chaos in this election process. Even though Acorn had been caught in 2007, we go now to 2009. I, I, I kid you not. In plea deals, in a 2009 Las Vegas case, former Acorn field director Amy uh, Busefink and Acorn official Christopher Edwards pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit the crime of compensation for registration of voters. And there you go. In connection with a quota system for paid registration staff, Edwards was sentenced to a year's probation and agreed to testify for prosecutors in charges against Acorn and against Busefink, however you pronounce it. Busefink appealed her case to the Nevada Supreme Court, challenging the constitutionality of the the statute. In April 2011, Acord entered a guilty plea to one count of felony compensation for registration of voters, for which they were fined $5,000, but did not concede that the law was constitutional. In addition to conducting voter registration drives, Acorn, blah, blah, blah. So there you go. I I, I can show you all of these stories. I got to be honest. I have a bunch of other stories that I pulled up that I didn't actually want to put in here. Because to be honest, there's too many. Many of these stories were individual level. An individual filed false forms, tried to vote twice. It happens. Veritas, for instance, recently uncovered a dude who voted twice. Dude got caught. And this guy, I think, was a Republican. But they'll drag Veritas for being fake news, even when they uncover real fraud. You know what the the issue is? I think Veritas gets it. One person committing fraud means fraud exists. By all means, you can, you can argue, but it's negligible, sure. But if we are now pushing mail-in voting to a widespread nationwide level, and we have confused voters, disenfranchised voters, I'm sorry, your system is broken. Maine voters, this story from July 8th, Maine voters get mixed messages on mail-in ballot postage. Amid a rapid switch to absentee voting, many Mainers aren't sure how much postage is required to mail in their votes and aren't getting good answers. You see, it's not just about fraud. It's about an 11th hour rule change on how the ballots are processed, resulting in people having no idea how to vote like me. You can argue fraud, but here's the most important point. I would have happily gone and voted in, in the primary. I think New Jersey is, I don't know if it's semi-closed or I don't even know if I would have been able to vote. I think that's why I got, I got an application. I didn't know what I needed to do. I received an application in the mail and I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. Is Can I vote in person? I have no idea. It was for an official mail-in ballot. I didn't want to do a mail-in ballot. Admittedly, for me personally, I wasn't too concerned about the primary in the first place. Otherwise, I would have taken more time. But the challenge is I work all the time. I had very little time to investigate. So ultimately, I said, I, I don't know about this. And I kind of just walked away from it. This is the problem. When it came to election day, which was just three days ago, I tried looking online and the website was down. I had no idea what to do. And I shrugged my shoulders and shoulders and said, oh, whatever, man, I have too much work. I work double shifts every day. I work weekends. I have no days off. So I'm not going to prioritize, you know, the primary. The general election will be a different story. I'm going to actually dedicate time for that. But I'm, I'm sure there are many people who would have loved to have vote, voted, but didn't know what to do and are confused now. This will be rampant come November. We're not just going to hear about fraud. 
We're going to hear about widespread disenfranchisement or whatever. We're going to hear people complaining, saying, I didn't know how to vote. It's not fair. It is going to be lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. And I am worried there will be no conclusive election. None. Because it may go to the Supreme Court, who shut who shuts it down because of the December 14th deadline. Then it can go to the House. Maybe the House chooses Trump. Maybe they choose Biden. Maybe it becomes deadlocked. Who knows? Maybe the Republicans in the House will vote for Biden. They only need a couple. It might not fall on party lines. Maybe they will defect and say, we don't care. And then Biden wins, even though Trump wins the popular vote or vice versa. Joe Biden wins the popular vote, has the plurality of votes in the Electoral College. They give it to Trump. We are going to see chaos no matter who wins. No one will buy it. And I'm worried about what that results in. An illegitimate presidency for either? I have no idea. I really, really don't. But I will warn you now, Trump supporters. The examiner says Trump counting on a silent majority that may never be heard for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I don't know what to expect. I don't think anyone does. But let me wrap this up by telling you when they come to you and they say, there is no voter mail-in voter fraud. There's no concerns. Security is fine. Show them this video and ask them if you disagree with what this man, me, what I have to say, then please, by all means, they can comment, they can, they can post it and then, and then rebut and, and counter everything I've said. But what I've said is simple. If there is any voter fraud when it comes to mail-in votes, if the first mail-in vote for New Jersey was broken and corrupt, that suggests, in my opinion, that we will see a lot of voter fraud, and that can swing an election. It will open the door for lawsuits. Everyone will fight. No one will know who won. And then you get chaos. If that's what you want, then so be it. But I think it's obvious that it exists. And I am worried about what that means for, for the rest of us. But I'll, I'll wrap it up there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time. I'm not quite sure how, but wearing a mask has become some kind of political issue. I'm seeing stories of Trump supporters saying that they won't wear a mask, that people who wear masks are silly, don't just believe the government, don't believe whatever you hear. I see posts from people saying things like that wearing the mask negatively impacts their oxygen concentration. Then I'm seeing people on the left say that's ridiculous. No, it doesn't affect your oxygen concentration. Just wear the mask. And I, I'm, I, I, look, I got no problem wearing a mask. I have no idea how this happened or why people care. I can say that I recently did go out and I had a, had on a mask. And when doing a laborious activity, we were lifting stuff, we were shopping. Yeah, it was not comfortable wearing a mask. But I don't know, it didn't impact me that bad. So I, I don't really care. I have a mask. Now, there's a couple weird things, however, like New Jersey just mandated that everybody has to wear a mask outside in public spaces. I don't necessarily know what that means. Like if I walk out my front door onto the sidewalk, is that a public space? I mean, it is, right? My, my understanding is that if I'm in my backyard, I don't got to wear a mask. But if I go onto the front, like the front street, now I have to wear a mask like everywhere. That to me is kind of odd. In my car, is that public? Is that private? Honestly, I have no idea. But listen, if you don't want to wear a mask, just be mindful of closed spaces, right? When we're talking about the spread of COVID, to be honest, I really think nobody cares. I, I, you know, I'm just gonna put it this way. Look, I don't know. I don't care. I defer to local health experts and my doctor. Fauci has been back and forth on this. Things seem to make no sense. But let me tell you something. Here's the big news first. I don't want to bury this. Colorado town threatens residents with one year in jail if they defy mandatory face mask order. I don't know. What? First, the first they fine you. Then they give you a bigger fine. 
and then you face a huge fine and potential jail time of up to one year. To me, that just seems excessive and ridiculous. How do we get to a point where they can issue an executive order that will put you in, G- uh, in jail for up to a year? I, I thought we, we couldn't do that as a country. I mean, that's crazy. Well, here comes creeping authoritarianism. Let me tell you something. At the same time as we're seeing this, we're seeing the inverse. Nearly 80 Texas counties have opted out of Governor Greg Abbott's mask order. Others refuse to enforce it. Here on YouTube, you know, they have some rules about encouraging people to do things. And if you get health advice wrong. So let me just preface all of this by saying I defer to the experts. Don't don't ask me what you should or shouldn't do. Why? I would just ask my doctor. And you should do the same. If your local health experts have given you advice, I would suggest following it. What does that mean? Well, that means if you are in Texas, apparently you you don't wear a mask. And if you're in this Colorado town, apparently you do. (laughs) So there's no guidelines. Uh, I have no idea. Let me tell you something. Around me, everything's basically reopened. I mean, like to varying degrees. Obviously, it's not just regular reopened where you walk in, walk out. Some stores, some retail stores, seem to be totally reopened. Now, people are wearing masks for sure, especially with the New Jersey, you know, mandate or whatever. And there are many restaurants that are doing outdoor seating. But it would seem like even though we're hearing in the news that COVID is spiking and it's coming back in its second wave, nobody by me cares. You want to know what's strange? You take a hop and a skip over that state line uh, to the further south. And my friends are telling me weird stories about the mandates. So, so listen, I'm talking to a friend who's telling me that in their state, everybody's sick. Like the, the, the hospitalizations are spiking. People are like really worried. They're, they're going, they're going to get tested. Everybody's wearing masks. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute, man. This is confusing to me. How come when you, when you, when you, when you drive 20 minutes, you have all of this fear and like, they're calling the health, they're calling like the health department saying like, I saw, I saw somebody not wearing a mask. What do I do? Then you go 20 minutes the other direction and it's like, everything seems to be fine here. You want to go to the store? Go to the store. Just make sure you wear a mask. The restaurants are, are open and available. I'm like, how does that panic just emerge between state lines? And I think this, this is actually what you see. Listen, I, I got to be honest, man. And if YouTube holds this against me, well, so be it. No one has any idea what is going on. That's about it. Let's read the first story and see what happens if you don't wear a mask in Colorado. And then we'll read the other story where apparently, I guess, if you want to wear a mask, you can, but no one cares if you don't. Listen, let, let, me, let me just say this before we start. If we don't have unified policies on what we should or shouldn't be doing as it pertains to COVID, then we shouldn't, then, then it's almost pointless to have these policies at all. Now, again, I say defer to your health experts, the advice given to you by the authorities. Don't ask me for what, you know, I, you, look, you might go to jail if you're in Colorado and you defy it, but I'm just like, in my state, we borders, you know, I'm very close to border in a couple other states and the, and the rules are all different. So you can literally drive a minute over a bridge and then all of a sudden everything's different. That makes no sense. If, if COVID can spread, well, we got problems because these jurisdictions can't enforce people just hopping over the river. All right, let's see what's going on in Colorado. You're going to go to jail, I guess. Don't, don't wear a mask. You go to jail. A Colorado town is threatening residents with up to a year behind bars and large fines if they disobey face mask requirements implemented in response to the coronavirus. The mayor of Englewood, Colorado, with the blessing of the city council, imposed an emergency order that went into effect Thursday. 
mandating that every person over the age of six wear a mask outside his or her homes, according to the New York Post. First offenders will face $15 fines, and second offenders will have to pay $25 fines, which is seemingly nothing. But the maximum penalty listed is $2,650 and 360 days behind bars or both. Oh, okay, so I'm sorry. I guess that wasn't three strikes. I guess that's for either offense. Any person charged with an offense under this emergency order may choose to enter a plea of not guilty and be entitled to a trial as authorized by the law. Just over 35,000 coronavirus cases have been confirmed in Colorado, resulting in 1,704 deaths. Cities and states across the country have started imposing mandatory face mask restrictions in response to upticks in coronavirus cases, and some are also calling on the federal government to impose a nationwide mask mandate. That's so weird to me. It's weird. I got no problem wearing a mask. I really don't care. We got a bunch of masks. They're like these little, they cost like a dollar. I'm not even kidding. It's a dollar and it's a piece of cloth. And it, it just stops your breath from spraying out. So uh, let me just clarify something too for all you guys. I see a lot of memes on Facebook and they're really, they're, it's, people seem to think that the mask is supposed to protect you. No, all it's doing is that when you talk, you're spitting and spraying stuff and it catches in the mask. That's all it does. And so the goal is that you don't spit in people's face when you're talking to them. You actually <laughs> spit in people's face a lot when you're talking to them, apparently. You do. And that's the point of the mask. That's it. Some people don't want to don't want to wear it. Far be it for me to tell you, you know, to advise you on any of these uh, health requirements or whatever. I am not an expert. I defer to the to the local to the local experts. So insofar as it pertains to New Jersey, I will have to wear my mask whenever I go outside for any reason or whatever. Sure, fine. I I don't know. Whatever. I really don't care. I'm not sure how this thing became political. Really. So what? There there are masks you can get that are like so. So I have this this uh, uh, Washington Redskins mask that I bought. And I, I bought this and some other Washington Redskins stuff because they were talking about, you know, changing the name or whatever. And I just thought you wouldn't be able to buy it at a certain point. So I, I was like, I'll get, a mask, I'll get a face mask. It'll be funny. But it's actually a really stretchy and thin material. It's ridiculously easy to breathe through. And the other mask that, that I have is, like I mentioned, that dollar cloth thing. And you put it on and I barely even notice that I'm wearing it. Some people, I guess, have these really big and thick, crazy looking masks. I'm like, Maybe that you don't need that. Like you could probably, you know, you could pull your shirt up or something. When I went to, I went to, uh, uh, I think I went to Home Depot or something. They told me that under New Jersey's, you know, emergency decree, you got to wear a mask. And so I took a t-shirt and tied it to my face and that was it. And I don't know, it's fine by me. I don't care. I don't know why people care so much. I got to be honest. So here's what they say. Supporters of face masks, including guidance from the CDC and prevention, maintain that wearing face coverings is instrumental in stopping the spread of the virus. While critics wary of government restrictions during the pandemic cite reputable studies that cloth cloth masks aren't effective. Here's a quote they say. Wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little of any protection from infection, a group of Harvard public health experts wrote in a paper uh, from the New England Journal of Medicine in early April. Public health authorities define a significant exposure to COVID-19. Uh, as face-to-face contact within six feet with a patient with symptomatic COVID-19 that is sustained for at least a few minutes, and some say more than 10 minutes or even 30 minutes. The chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in public space is therefore minimal. In many cases, the desire for widespread masking is a reflexive reaction to anxiety over the pandemic. However, Dr. Anthony Fauci, a member of President Trump's coronavirus task force, urged people this week to wear face masks. If you say it doesn't matter, whether you put it on or take it off, 
You're giving a wrong mixed signal, he said. The message should be wear a mask, period. And I will also point out, look, to be fair, we barely know what's going on with COVID. We really, really don't. Most people don't. And so, you know, to, to point out this study from April, I think is a little irresponsible because there, there has been a back and forth on messaging as it pertains to masks. Early on, they said, don't wear it. It's ineffective. There's a tweet from the Surgeon General where he's like, don't get masks. They don't do anything. And so I even talked about this back then, why when they said don't buy masks, and because the point I was saying is that masks don't protect you from taking the virus in. They stop you from spitting on other people. The reason medical professionals need it is because when they're treating patients, they don't want to be spreading any potential infections or whatever they have. Well, now, at the weirdest time, I don't get why they're mandating face masks. And the bigger issue I have, I suppose, is that a lot of what they've done may have backfired. During the peak of the coronavirus pandemic, which we're well outside of, now they're saying cases are on the rise, but uh, uh, deaths are not following this trend. So we're seeing a big wave of asymptomatic cases, which would imply more testing is involved. We are seeing more hospitalizations. We are seeing more deaths, but there's a bunch of, we we just don't know the answers. And we have to be careful if we're going to make reflexive, panicked decisions based on this. It's hard to know what to do. That's why I just say, look, I defer to the experts. Now here lies the big problem. For those of you living in New Jersey, like me, or in Colorado, make sure you wear your mask. The experts said so. And if you live in Texas, apparently the counties say you don't have to. So, hey, (laughs) I defer to them. Nearly 80 uh, Texas counties have opted out of the mask order, and others are refusing to enforce it. From the Texas Tribune, they say, When Governor Greg Abbott issued a statewide executive order requiring Texans to wear masks in public, he gave counties the opportunity to opt out if they have a low number of active coronavirus cases. I mean, that's actually, that sounds great. Greg Abbott sounds like a good governor. If, you know, one of the the issues that we need to bring up, there were many places that were under these big restrictions, like in Michigan, for instance, that had no cases whatsoever. And they were being told they couldn't have their businesses operate. And this is the problem with one size fits all national policy. And it's one of the reasons I am no fan of the National Popular Vote Coalition. And I like the Electoral College. We cannot have one law for literally everything because people are not experiencing the same things. Imagine if they were like, we hereby mandate that you can only consume, you know, a certain amount of strawberries. And there's like a certain place that has like 50 billion strawberries and a certain place that has none. You'd be like, why, why, why is the place that has 50 billion strawberries restricted to only having one strawberry per day? The other place that has none, okay, I kind of get it because they don't have a, you know, I'm, I'm just giving you a simple analogy. The point is, why are we going to tell a rural area with very little interstate travel or commerce, why are we going to tell them to shut down all of their businesses when they have no cases whatsoever? Perhaps that makes little sense. Well, it seems like Greg Abbott recognized that and said, if you've got, you know, little or none, don't worry about the mask thing. A week later, 78 counties have taken up on the offer and a handful of other local governments have insisted they won't enforce the order, even though they don't qualify for the opt out provision. Officials cite a desire to preserve personal freedoms or concerns about enforcement. I think it's an insult to Texans to be required to do something they should have discretion for, said Hugh Reed, the top administrator for rural Armstrong County near Amarillo, which opted out. In a press release announcing the order, Abbott said that wearing a face covering in public is proven to be one of the most effective ways we have to slow the spread of COVID-19. Public health experts broadly agree that masks slow the spread of the virus, and the CDC recommend face coverings for anyone two or older in public settings. Okay, 
All right. We, I, I get it. I want to now point out why I think we have to be very careful if we are going to start just implementing things like that. We need hard data. And because we haven't had hard data for the entirety of COVID, the United States has been a chicken running around with its head cut off. We have said no masks. Yes, masks. No masks. No, indoor is bad. No, outdoor is bad. Oh, no, no. Asymptomatic transmission. No, 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 no. Asymptomatic transmission. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, you clearly don't know what you're talking about. I can respect local health experts and, 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 and you know, look, if they say wear a mask, I got no problem. I'm going to wear a mask. I really don't get why it's a big deal. But let me, let me show you something. Cuomo blames Rikers Island release anti-NYPD sentiment for NYC crime spike. Well, there it is. The governor of New York admits that they released prisoners from Rikers Island and it resulted in reoffend, you know, them, them committing crimes and they had to be sent right back. The reason I bring this up is it would seem like many people said, listen, if you release criminals over a fear of COVID, they'll just reoffend and likely have to go back. And all you will do is increase the amount of crimes and the likelihood they get COVID. How stupid is this? Think about it. They say about 13% of those released have been rearrested and sent back. So you took a population that was isolated from the outside world for the most part, in which COVID might not make it inside, or maybe you release them out into the world where they're now exposed to COVID, arrested them because of, you know, they commit crimes and then put them back. Would you, would you be at all surprised to find out if there was going to be, a, if there was a major spike at Rikers now? I, I don't know exactly what's going on with Rikers, if they are, but how, how silly is this? As it turns out, we realized Governor Cuomo even publicly stated, I think now two months ago, we know staying inside increases the likelihood that you will get COVID. Why? Are, are, they know this. So why would they release people from Rikers, but then tell everyone to stay indoors, which is what they did? That just seems to increase the likelihood that people will catch COVID. So it's fair to say, at least in my opinion, we have gone back and forth too many times and the confidence of the people is shattered. And that's the real issue here. So when I was talking to my friend who's in a, a, a state not too far from where I'm at, telling me that half the people are wearing masks, half aren't. There's no real guidelines. There's no enforcement. No one has any idea what's going on. Everybody's opinion about what's happening is mixed, confused or backwards. And no one agrees on any one thing. I'm like, then you might as well have no policies at all. I, I, I'm not saying they literally shouldn't. I'm saying if, if Texas has counties that won't enforce it, then why bother at all with the mask mandate? Because that means people will spread it, right? If they're telling certain counties it doesn't matter because they have low, uh, low COVID numbers, then why bother having it at all? It doesn't make sense. If I can go to a county with no enforcement and go back and forth between a county with enforcement, it won't, it won't. Sure, you can say it will reduce the spread, but you're still gonna be spreading it all over the place, right? I'm sorry, man. I can only put it this way. I didn't want to make I didn't care to make, you know, COVID videos after at, at this point, especially with around me, everything's returning to normal. As far as I can tell, I haven't seen, you know, like when I, when I go out in the front, my neighbors, I don't see anybody wearing masks. Now I'm, I'm I haven't seen, I haven't gone to the store in recent, uh, you know, in the past couple of weeks, but I'd be probably, I would probably see people wearing masks. Although to be honest, the last time I went to the store, 
there were some people not wearing masks, even though they were, su- they were supposed to be wearing masks. So I'm not sure what's going on or why. New Jersey just did this mandate. But I can tell you, look, everything's been reopening. And right now in New York, we literally have Mayor Bill de Blasio saying that we're shutting down large gatherings. He literally does not have the authority to do that under the First Amendment. They cannot infringe the right to peaceably assemble. The Constitution doesn't say why. You just can't do it. He was then asked, what about by Wolf Blitzer, what about Black Lives Matter protests? And he says, well, you know, that's different. There we go. Bill de Blasio, New York. If you are going to say it is okay to go out in large gatherings for reason X, but not reason Y, then you might as well have no restrictions at all. None of this makes sense. Again, with that being said, I'm going to wear a mask. Okay. I'm not saying, you know, not to. I'm saying I don't understand the point really because, like I mentioned, nothing seems to make sense, but I'm going to do it because I, I, I don't care. And like I mentioned, I got this, this mask. It's actually really easy to breathe with. So whatever. All I know is we have been on a, a confusing roller coaster ride for months. The economy is being destroyed and you have not seen the worst of it. This country is, is in dire, is, is in worse shape than you, you than people realize. People, uh, was it 32% of uh, homeowners, I believe, missed their payments. Delinquencies are skyrocketing, which is resulting in mortgage-backed securities uh, failing at record high numbers. And you know where this goes. Do you remember what happened back in 07, 08? I think we're heading towards a crash that you would not believe. Now, gold is skyrocketing for whatever reason. I guess people are buying it up. And we're seeing something interesting. And, and, and take it for what it is. Do this research. Dig into this. We are seeing gold sales on the rise, precious metals, since the start of COVID and then in the riots. I, I, I went out and I bought some metals. And you may have noticed in some of the articles I've been showing, there's like advertisements for precious metals. But I've noticed so much of it is sold out. Gold is spiking. I guess it's, it's you know, it's not like the biggest gains ever, but it's, it's going up fast. And people are buying property in huge numbers in Montana. And uh, home sales are, are skyrocketing at a time when people can't pay their, uh, their mortgages, which is very weird. Because here's what I see happening. You can't pay your mortgage, mass delinquencies, market collapse. Rich people, however, are currently buying up uh, houses at 400K or lower in places like Idaho, Iowa, and Montana, Montana being the the biggest, I believe. If the housing market has all these delinquencies and then the market collapses and the prices drop dramatically because of a massive influx of supply and because people can't buy houses anymore, then these uh, $400,000 houses being bought are going to drop dramatically in value. I don't know, man. I'll tell you this. When I see all the rich people fleeing cities and buying big properties on the middle of nowhere, I have to wonder if they know something. Or at the very least, I'll put it this way. People who have been smart enough to succeed in life because they plan ahead are now making moves to buy precious metals and buy property in the middle of nowhere. And if these are the people who are more likely to plan ahead, not everybody, then I would believe that we're seeing a trend in people who might know something. So I'd say get out of the cities. That's the best I can do. Anyway, hopefully you don't go to jail for not wearing a mask. If you're in Texas, I have no idea, man. But hey, who knows what happens next? They're saying, I guess they're saying COVID causes diabetes. It causes brain damage, permanent lung damage. Okay, I have no idea, man, whatever. I'm going to wear a mask. I don't got a problem with it. And I'll wrap it up there. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see y'all at 1 p.m. on this channel. 
across this country, far left rioters and Black Lives Matter extremists are killing people, are burning down businesses. Civil unrest is on the rise. Portland has been under a kind of low tier, weird Antifa siege for over a month. And now a Utah governor declares a state of emergency due to civil unrest. Dare I say this is Trump's America. It's all Trump's fault that Black Lives Matter, an organization that's been around for almost a decade, has escalated their tactics and resources, and many of their sympathizers have engaged in extremist actions, for which it actually began under Obama. I'm kidding, by the way. It's silly. I see these stories. Some guy wrote a story, and he's like, I'm a journalist, and I got arrested. This is Trump's America. This has been going on for a long time. The unrest has been escalating. It started with street protests back in the early 2010s, and it gradually got worse and worse. And now it's worse than ever. Is it Trump's fault? No. Trump is in charge of the federal government. He's not going to go into these states, though he has hinted. He has suggested he may do it, invoking the Insurrection Act. Well, I tell you what, man, we are getting dangerously close to that point. I can't believe I'm going to do another story about a state of emergency being declared over civil unrest. But yup, here we are. And it's not Trump's America. Trump came in partly because of this. If anything, people voted for Trump hoping that he would restore law and order. And maybe that's why the far left is going after police departments. They want police to be weakened so they, make, they can make it seem like under Trump, there is no law and order. Well, I don't, I don't know what their strategy is. All I know is the more this happens, there have been a couple polls suggesting this will help Trump win violence and unrest this time in Utah. I got a couple stories for you, man. I got a bunch of stories for you, actually, about the ongoing unrest, and I'm sick and tired of it. This morning, I actually did a COVID segment, and I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. Look, my, the local retail shops are reopening. The mall is reopening. The food is reopening. I don't know what's going on with this, and I said before I wouldn't, but here we are. I decided, you know what? This seems to be an important story because I'm sick and tired of talking about this. For now, over a month, the rioting has not stopped. In fact, new stories are popping up, new claims, and it keeps happening. So yes, at this point, I would very much like to see Trump, Homeland Security, or something be done to stop this. But I tell you what, it is the job of the governors. And at least for now, it seems like the Utah governor is going to be making uh, some moves. It was only, man, what, 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 what is this? It was the Monday that Georgia declared a state of emergency and, and, and uh, activated like a thousand National Guard troops. Well, now, by the end of the week, Utah. Yeah, it's going to get worse, man. Uh, because I can't, tell, I can't tell you why. Election year, whatever that's supposed to mean, people keep saying it. But I'm getting sick and tired of it. And, and it feels dry. The more I talk about this, like, yeah, we get it. The country is aflame. Well, here's the story from the Hill. Utah Governor Gary Herbert late Thursday declared a state of emergency in Salt Lake City following tense demonstrations that saw protesters square off against Salt Lake City police. Protesters flooded the streets after Salt Lake City, uh, Salt Lake County District Attorney announced that the May police killing of a Bernardo of, of Bernardo Palacios Carbajal was justified, quote, in the case of the Salt Lake City officer involved critical incident that resulted in the death of Bernardo Palacios Carbajal. District Attorney Sim Gill's findings provide significant evidence of the justifiable actions of the Salt Lake City police officers. Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendelhall said in a statement after the news was released 
This evidence shows that officers acted according to their training and the state law regarding use of lethal force. She added, I know that for some, today's decision does not feel like justice. It has become increasingly apparent in our city and across the nation that there is a difference between what so many feel is morally correct and what is considered appropriate and justified under the law. I don't care about what you think is morally correct. I care about what is fair and equal. And we have rules beyond a reasonable doubt. So you don't get to just burn someone up, destroy their life because you reject their morality. Palacios was shot on May 23rd after a report of someone making threats with a weapon. According to the report, police fired 34 shots and Palacios had more than a dozen wounds. According to the Salt Lake City Police Department, protesters broke windows to the DA's office, prompting the department to deem the demonstration unlawful gathering. I love it. A demonstration of protesters who happen to be romping about the city, destroying property. That's not a protest. A protest is when a bunch of, you know, people show up and wave little American flags and make demands. A protest is when a bunch of hippies link their arms together and stand in the road. Civil disobedience, for which sometimes they get arrested. Usually the cops will detain them and then release them after an hour or so just to get them out of the road. That's a protest. A protest is when you show up in front of a building and you hold up a sign saying, you know, I demand this or that. Make changes to this. No, it is a riot when you go around smashing windows and then they declare a state of emergency. These are not protesters demonstrating. These are rioters vandalizing. Please just get it right. I'm talking about the basic definitions. The Hill, I love you, but you guys, like many other news outlets, are so scared to just use literal definitions. Calm down. But, but we don't want to look biased. They're smashing out windows. They're rioting, dude. St. Uh, St. Louis police said a group of protesters have started marching. Well, be aware we don't know where they're going, where they may march. Please avoid the downtown area tonight. They say due to protesters breaking windows, the DA's building, SLCPD will announce the demonstration is an unlawful gathering. Police will now disperse the group. Police said the demonstrators then made their way down 500, uh, disrupting traffic in the city's downtown area. Protesters reportedly used pepper spray on officers, and one officer was taken to a local area hospital. The demonstration resulted in the arrest of two protesters, the department said. You mean the riot did? They're attacking cops, man. You know what? Weak language. Call it like it is. If a group of people pepper spray police and smash windows, just call it like it is. I'm so sick of talking about this. I got to be honest. Some people say, Tim, you are too pessimistic. Okay, well, listen, I have told you what I think. We need hard Section 230 reform to protect free speech and restore the balance of political discourse. The only way that happens is if the Republicans sweep. I'm, I'm sorry, because the Democrats, they're, they're going to go for more hate speech laws. And now even the left liberals, the founder of Vox, are going, wait, wait, please, please stop. Cancel culture has gone too far. So, that, so I'll tell you what, the Democrats aren't going to do it. They're not going to agree on this because they don't want Republicans to have the right, the right to speech. It's benefiting them. The Republicans win. They need, we, need, we need Section 230 reform. But look, let's get back to the, to the shenanigans. Portland protests have cost local businesses $23 million so far. Are they going to declare a state of emergency yet? This is, maybe they did. I have, no, <laughs> I have no idea. Portland is just in chaos. Call on the National Guard, man. This is pathetic leadership. Does Portland even have a government at this point? Is there, is there anyone in charge of anything? Because the U.S. Marshals are apparently out. 
The unrest has not stopped. I'm sorry. At a police briefing, Deputy Chief Chris Davis said the intensity of the violence by an agitator corps and the length of protests, they're not protests, that are now in their sixth week are unprecedented in Oregon's largest city. Davis made sharp distinctions between Black Lives Matter protesters, whom he said were not violent, and a smaller group of people he repeatedly called agitators. Oh, shut up. You know what? I'm just tired of it. They use Black Lives Matter as a shield and a front. It's about time that we start talking about what this is. And I, and I ask all of you, look, I can call a riot a riot. But when we're dealing with now, what, 40 plus days of people firing explosives and trying to torch government buildings and the police fighting with them. Is this a a riot, a sustained riot for 40 days for political reasons against the established government? (laughs) I'm sorry. This seems like an insurgency. Whatever you call whatever you want, an insurrection, an insurgency, a partisan faction rising up and seeking to destabilize the government. Call it whatever you want. At a certain point, I tell you this, if this group becomes large enough or has a large enough impact on local, uh, local politics or the local government, we'll start calling it what it is, civil war. There's a fine line. For now, we'll call it a riot. If this goes on for like two years and the violence escalates, they will say that all of this was civil war. You see, you see how this works? It's, it, it's based upon what happens next. If this ends today, if the National Guard comes in, people will just say ongoing riots, sustained riots. But if we go back in time and things escalate to an extreme degree, they will say all of this started before this, like the first night of whatever this is. The good news is, however, it seems like local government, they're finally learning their lesson. You need the police, right? No, of course, that's not true. I I just wanted to give you a little bit of optimism before I tell you this. Majority of Seattle Council pledges to support police department defunding plan laid out by Chaz. Chaz won, everybody. Chaz won. They got what they wanted. Congratulations, Chaz. Hey, I tell you what, man, for whatever it's worth, my respect to the far left, the Chazistanis, Antifa and all that, because they stood up, they made demands, they refused to back down. They said, I will not be silent. And the city dropped to their pathetic knees and said, spare us. The government is yours. And now a veto proof majority of the city council approves a plan to slash the police budget, I believe, by 50 percent. Yep, there we go. uh, So they say uh, council members, they name them, added support Thursday to a roadmap set up set up by decriminalized Seattle and King County Equity. Now they're joined by the other council members to reduce police department's annual budget by 50 percent and promised quick action. While Mayor Jenny Durkin has asked the council to slow down. Too bad. Chaz has won. Now, if you don't live in Seattle, you probably don't care. But let this be a lesson to all of you. Speak up to defend yourself. That is all. That is all I say. That's all we have to do. Now, there have been questions about what can I do? What must be done and things like that? I get it. I get it, man. You know, it's really easy to talk about what the problem is. And it's really, really difficult to find the solution. But I tell you this. These far leftists have identified a problem that I, and I respect what they have found. Police brutality. Okay. Wealth inequality. I think to a varying degree, that's a problem. Sure. Universal health care, lack of access to homes. Okay. Okay. We, we see that these are problems. They've thrown a, they're throwing darts at a board of what their solutions are supposed to be. And the problem is their solutions are, are nonsensical. The solution to police brutality is not slashing the police budget by 50%. 
that would just result in more crime spiking in these jurisdictions, which it is. Now, I certainly think many of these far leftists are lying and exploiting the circumstance, but I can point to the problem. Here's a problem. They're proposing, you know, slashing a budget by 50%. It's a problem because crime is going to go up. It's a problem that these people occupied this space that they set up their autonomous zone. The solutions are much more difficult, to be honest. Now, here's the reality. I may not have solutions for you, but neither do they. The only difference is that they're screaming at the top of their lungs and throwing bricks. And so the city goes, you can have whatever you want. It's, it's, it's bad parenting. It's bad leadership. It reminds me of like, I can't remember what show it was, but maybe Simpsons where the mom is talking and, and then her son goes, shut up, mom. And she goes, oh, okay. And she shuts up. I can't remember what show it was, but it's like, you're in charge of this government. The same thing is true for these schools. Hold on. Let me ask you a question. Which, which generation is in charge of these? Is it, is it Gen X or is it the boomers? I think it's Gen X. I, you know what, man? <laughs> we have, we just have like a downward spiral among our generations, right? You had the greatest generation. Uh, these people went to war, had a bunch of babies, had the baby boomers. Baby boomers started getting into all that hippie business. Gen Xers came about. The people who are in charge right now are so desperate to avoid conflict and to be the cool parents that they won't tell the kids to shut up. I wonder if that's the difference. I wonder if the real, the real divide here in terms of uh, uh, culture war, because everybody's got their idea. Everyone's like, it's authoritarian versus libertarian. It's postmodernism versus, you know, objective, objective uh, worldview, uh, objective truth. Maybe it's just my parents disciplined me versus your parents didn't. Because what is all this? A temper tantrum. Interestingly, conservatives tend not to have them. I wonder if it's because they had stern, you know, parental figures a strong and loving mom who made sure the children were safe by giving them direction and a responsible and stoic father who taught them how to be strong in the face of adversity or danger. And so they grew up and they realized nothing is given. It must be earned. And they worked hard for it. I don't know if that's what defines what a conservative is or, or a liberal, but it seems like what we're seeing here is a temper tantrum, and these local governments just say, fine, we'll give you whatever you want. And now they're going to be slashing the Seattle budget by 50%. Seven of nine council members are on board. And they say that a six, a, a six votes are veto proof. So there you go. They're going to slash the budget of the Seattle police. That's what the Chaz demanded. They set up the autonomous zone. They said 50% reduction. And now the city council said, you got it. You also have one of these city council members who led protesters to the house of the mayor. God, man, I love it. So what can you do as all this goes down? I got to be honest. I do not have all the answers. I am but a humble internet complainer person, I guess. Milk toast fence sitter. But I can tell you, I can tell you, and maybe this will give you an idea and inspire you. These people, as I've mentioned many times on my podcast, have organizational power where they bond together in a collective to take action, and that makes them powerful. What does the right have, I suppose? I mean, Elon Musk's a billionaire. You know, Peter Thiel's a billionaire. These people seem to be on board with opposing the SJW far left nonsense, but they're not, they're not funding any of this. They're not doing anything. Maybe they are behind the scenes. I have no idea. Elon Musk could snap his fingers. I am not exaggerating and create a real news company. I wonder why they don't do it. You know, look, I'll tell you what I'm doing to, to solve these problems. First, let me tell you what you could do. 
Look at the, the tactics of the left. The problems they have first is that their obsession with violence actually hurts their cause. This is a fact. Peaceful demonstrations work. It is probably the most powerful thing you can do. That's what cancel culture is. It is peaceful protest. It is, it is, so for, for the most part, there is an implied threat of violence. But on the surface, if you br- uh, brigade a, a company with email saying, I, I, I detest your stance on politics and they back down and give you what you want, that is peaceful protest. Sending a, a sternly worded letter scares these companies. Now, it's also true that many of these companies are concerned about the violence because they, they show up and they riot in the streets and smash out your windows for sure. But they're engaging in uh, various, various tactics the peaceful protest stuff works. The violence actually makes that actually hurts them and they don't realize it. It makes people turn against them. But if you engaged in peaceful protest, particularly sending sternly worded letters to companies saying, I do not respect you for banning these groups and I will not want to use your services, it will have a serious impact. Right now, they're trying to boycott Goya because the, Go- the CEO of Goya praised Trump. And now there's another trend saying, buy Goya. I'm seeing conservatives all rush out to buy Goya. Hey, listen here. I got a big old cupboard of Goya beans because we bought a bunch of beans for COVID. We mostly ate them all because like I told you, you know, if COVID didn't, if it got really bad, you'll be glad you had food. And for a while, the stores were, you know, their shelves were dry. But the worst case scenario is you had taco night, man. And you know what we've been doing? Oh, this is fantastic. We've been taking grilled onions with, with black beans. And I got to tell you, I love a little bit. You get a little red pepper in there, some, some garlic on top. Fantastic. Slop that in a tortilla, man. We've been having taco night and we've been loving it. I've been buying Goya beans before it was cool. But no, buying Goya beans is not my strategy. Let me tell you something. I wonder when I see Elon Musk call out the far left, I wonder you could do anything you want. You've got money. I'm not going to pretend like, look, Elon Musk is a billionaire, but let's be real. When it comes to assets, it's not like Elon Musk has a billion dollars in hard cash. I don't know what his cash assets are, but he could certainly put I don't know, a million bucks into hiring some good, uh, well-mannered, honest reporters who are hungry for an opportunity. And he could make that happen. Instead, we get people like Bezos doing the opposite, dumping hundreds of millions into the Washington Post to lie to your face. So I wonder, same thing with, you know, Peter Thiel, for instance. I know he opposed all this stuff. I think uh, Eric Weinstein works for, for Thiel Capital. And I wonder why these super wealthy people don't just say, here's a budget to a good journalist to do good work. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I am going to be expanding and launching a a new news venture. We have Scanner. Scanner's doing on the ground reporting. Some people aren't happy with some of the content that Scanner's put out. But the point is, Scanner is not producing this this overtly one-sided anti-Trump nonsense. It is field reporting. Sometimes it's silly and sometimes people say, I'm, I'm not a fan of this, but listen, it needs to be eclectic. It needs to be more than one thing. And what they're doing is real on the ground reporting, at the very least raw footage. Some of it people on the left are really angry about, and they've tried to cancel us because of it. And some people, some, some videos, the right doesn't like, I, I'm fine with it. It's editorially independent. It's the first step, but I'm doing more. I am, I am climbing uphill. I am pushing that stone up the hill. And there, there was, there's no point at which you reach the top. But with, with every passing day, 
we, we reach more expansion. We do more. The Timcast IRL podcast is, is, is taking off and we are speaking out about this and we are getting more views than ever. Now, maybe that's not enough, but I am going to be launching a written news outlet because I am going to do exactly what I said Elon or, or Teal should be doing. I am going to be hiring real journalists to fact check these stories. Every day when I see these stories, I have to look at like five or six different stories and videos around them to make sure they're accurate. And often they're not. And then people get angry. So I am going to be putting my money where my mouth is. We are going to have a staff that will fact check all of these big breaking stories. That's what I want to do. I wonder then, I wonder what these other billionaires will do. Now, listen, there are rich people who fund conservative outlets, and that's not the solution. It's not. Having a bunch of conservatives write articles from a conservative perspective with conservative opinion is not the solution. It's, it's, it, it probably helps to have a balance for sure. But what we need is actual fact checking, combining these different outlets. So, so it's a start, right? That's what I'm going to do. If I had a fraction of the money that someone like Elon or Teal or, or, or many other people had. I could do so much more in time, in time. For now, I'm going to do what I can. In the coming months, we're expanding. One of the first things we're doing is shoring up, you know, our defenses for the Timcast network. And then I'm going to be launching a, a fact-checking outlet. I've been talking about this for some time, and there's been a lot of work, and we're going to do a rating agency. We're going to fact-check other outlets, and we're going to produce news content with journalists And we're going to be doing a a multi-layered approach to how we fact check stories. A story comes out. The Seattle City Council says 50%, you know, slash or whatever. We're going to compare this to other outlets reporting. We're going to reach out for comment and we're going to fact check the other news outlets themselves. And we're going to, and we're going to include those citations. It is going to be very comprehensive. We have a long ways to go to do it. This, I believe, is the best thing I can do to help solve the problems we are seeing. As for you, you only need to speak up and push back against this. I'm not telling you to go out and, and put on a red MAGA hat and, wear, and wave Trump flags all over the place. If that's what you want to do, fine, go ahead and do it. I'm just saying for the average person, not everybody's a Trump supporter. Not everybody's happy with what Trump has to say. I think Trump has, has, has character issues and tact problems, though I do like some of the things he's doing pertaining to law enforcement and the statues. I'm just saying this. If you work for a pizza restaurant and they come in and say, we want to put up a big sign that says, you know, this thing about diversity, inclusion with all these symbols and politics, simply say, I am concerned that this will put me at risk because people will assume I share in your political message. If this makes people angry or violent, I I, I would not want to be involved. I humbly ask, we do not as a pizza restaurant make a political statement. That's fair. That's all you got to say. And they might say, no, we're going to do it. And you know what? For those of you that are bold and brave enough, you can say, then I will quit because I'm not going to put myself at risk so you can espouse your message from a pizza shop. Maybe you work at a sock factory, a cracker factory. Maybe you work for a graphic design shop. There's no reason to be engaging in politics. Leave that to the activist organizations. But everybody's doing it. All you got to say is, I am not comfortable working for a place that would put out a statement like this. It will put me at risk. And that's enough. Maybe, look, what you got to understand about this, people are concerned that if they step up and they say something about supporting Trump, they'll get fired. Yeah, maybe. But telling people you don't want to be involved in politics is the first step. 
look, man, we all have our beliefs. I respect your right to your opinion. I respect the struggles and the fights for what you're saying. I just don't want my name on this because it scares me. And then they'll have to make that choice. And then you, if you're bold and brave, you can say, okay, I understand you still plan to move forward. If you do this, I will quit because I'm scared. I do not want to be put at risk. Think about the factional violence that has occurred. Do you really want your name on a political message you don't stand by? How would you feel if someone walked up to your car and slapped a Trump sticker on the back of it? Some people might already have that if you're a Trump supporter. If you're a leftist, you'd be like, no way. I don't want that. Well, there you go. Why would anyone tolerate this? What if someone put a Soviet sticker on your car or uh, or like, you know, a white supremacist symbol on your car? You'd be upset. I do not stand by these symbols. Then why would anyone at their job stand by these symbols? All you got to do is speak up for now. But I'll tell you what. Until then, the civil unrest, civil unrest is here. And I think what we desperately need is Section 230 reform. I believe that is the first step. Then, as I've stated several times, I defer to Will Chamberlain over at Human Events, who has proposed you know, legislation making social media access a human right. But I defer to him. He's a lawyer. So anyway, I'll leave it there. Hopefully, man, things stabilize. Hopefully the state of emergency is good enough. But I guess November is around the corner. And we'll see if this stuff actually has an impact. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net, and I will see you all then. This morning, I awoke to shocking news. You see, the CEO of Goya Foods has praised Donald Trump, and in response, Democrats are demanding a boycott of Goya. Julian Castro urges boycott of Goya Foods after CEO praises Trump, as reported by the Washington Free Beacon. But I will tell you this, Democrats, you may take my speech, but you will never take my black beans, of which I, I think I can eat them right now, right? You can you can eat beans. Okay. Actually, really good. Um, I happen to have Goya beans. I only ate one bean. I thought it'd be funny if I ate beans. Um, we actually, I actually have, I have a bunch of these. I, I, I love these beans. We, we, make, <laughs> we make tacos with them. Okay. Now that I've just eaten beans on camera, let's actually talk about what's going on. Because the real story, I'm actually quite impressed. The CEO of Goya Food said, I refuse to apologize. He talked about how he went in like 2012. Now I got beans in my mouth. He went in 2012 to, uh, at the urging of Michelle Obama to talk about health foods and stuff. And there were no problems. Today, he goes to the invitation of Donald Trump and they're calling for a boycott of Goya Foods. I need to, I've got beans stuck in my mouth now. Julian Castro urges boycott of Goya Foods. It's actually really good, mind you. Low sodium, by the way. Former presidential candidate Julian Castro is pushing for a public boycott of Goya Foods to punish the company's CEO for praising Donald Trump. He said, Goya Foods has been a staple of so many Latino households for generations. Now their CEO, Bob Unanu, is praising a president who villainizes and maliciously attacks Latinos for political gain. No, he doesn't. Trump put out some message praising the Hispanic community or something like they just try to create this fake reality. And Americans should think twice before buying their products. How stupid and insane is this? Let me tell you something. I don't care about Chick-fil-A. When they were funding, you know, the, the religious groups for the right. I still have beans in my mouth. I didn't care when they stopped. I didn't care when they started now pandering to the left. I still didn't care, though, admittedly, I'll criticize them for, for being spineless. But if I feel like having a chicken sandwich, I'm going to go have a chicken sandwich, dude. I don't care that one guy at Goya Foods likes Donald Trump. 
I don't. I go to the store, I see beans, I grab them, and I make tacos with them. That's it. And and these these Goya uh, black beans uh, are con sal marina. Yeah, now with sea salt. Excellent, low sodium, healthy, good for you. I don't care about your stupid anti-bean political cause. I'm going to enjoy I'm I'm going to have to, after I'm done recording, go eat these, I guess. But check this out. This is awesome. Now, now I got to say, I got even more respect for Goya. Goya Food CEO Bob Unanyu refuses to apologize after online boycott over blessed to have Trump praise. Bravo, good sir. In the face of cancel culture with these former Democratic polit- you know, candidate saying everybody should stop buying his goods. This man straight up said, I don't care. I believe what I believe. I'll stand up for what I believe in. And now I'll tell you this. Now I'm going to purposefully go look for Goya. You know why? If somebody wants to engage in politics, I don't care. Okay, that's what I was saying about Chick-fil-A. But if someone is under fire and they stand firm, tall and and tough and say, you can go F off. I'm going to do what I want. I'm like, that's what I like. Whatever your cause is, stand up for yourself. You have my respect. So I'll tell you this. When I go to the store, I'm not going to, I'm sorry, Bushes. You got some really good baked beans. I, I, it's, it's nice. You can, you can do like a British breakfast. I forgot what it's called, but you do the baked beans, tomato, mushroom and stuff. I'm sorry. I can't go with Bushes anymore. They do have good beans as well, but I'm going all Goya. Yes, I am going to season my food to own the libs. This is actually a tweet, excuse me, from Philip Lewis. This guy is a Detroit native. He's an editor for Huffington Post. And he quoted Cassandra Fairbanks, who, and he wrote, <laughs> I love this news cycle. Hey, isn't this a little bit more fun than the normal chaos and destruction that's been going on? Cassandra tweeted, about to own the libs deliciously, hashtag buy Goya. And yes, buy Goya was trending nationwide on Twitter this morning when I woke up. So apparently Cassandra ordered some, what, what is this? 10, uh, 10 discos. I don't, I don't know what that is. What is it? Uh, discos para empanadas. Ooh, empanadas. Very good. Uh, she got cilantro. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not about all that cilantro. Cassandra, what are you doing with that cilantro? Tomato sauce looks great. And sofrito. What, what's that? And apparently <laughs> she posted a video where she's ordering a ton of Goya goods about to own the libs deliciously, to which Philip responded, seasoning your food to own the, own the libs. This may be quite possibly the most wholesome culture war battle I have ever seen. So much so that I retweeted Mr. Philip Lewis because it was funny. Seasoning your food to own own the libs. Normally when someone says you're doing something to own the libs, it's a cut off the nose to spite your face kind of thing. Like, you know, burning your shoes to own the libs or to own the cons, right? In this instance, I don't think it really matters at all that Cassandra Fairbanks is buying Goya products because it's food. We're going to eat it anyway. So the fact that he would say seasoning your food on libs, like seasoning your food is a good thing. You know what I mean? So listen, this story is quite frankly absurd, but let's read about what he said in response. And yes, I still have beans stuck in my mouth. The CEO of Goya Foods, Bob Unane, has refused to apologize after an online boycott over his blessed to have Trump praise. Unanu, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, has been under fire since he praised the president at a Hispanic Prosperity Initiative event in the White House Rose Garden on Thursday. We are truly blessed at the same time to have a leader like President Trump, who is a builder, the food mogul said. We have an incredible builder and we pray. We pray for our leadership, our president, and we pray for our country that we will continue to prosper and grow. 
The comments have left social media users begging people to boycott Goya Foods. Even Ocasio-Cortez could not. (laughs) Representative AOC retweeted footage of Unanu's speech with the comment, oh, look, it's it's the sound of me Googling how to make your own adobo. Are you kidding me? It is. It, <laughs> I love it. Democrat and former presidential hopeful Julian Castro. Yeah, we saw what he wrote. Now their CEO, Bob Unanu, is praising a president who villainizes and mostly attacks Latinos. We get it. Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda also added, we learned to bake bread in this pandemic. We can learn to make our own adobo con pimienta. <laughs> pimienta Bye. You're going to grow your own beans? Huh? <laughs> I can't grow beans in my backyard. It's suppression of speech, he said. Unanu went on to mention about how we previously worked with Michelle Obama and Barack Obama uh, and, Ob- and, and former President Obama when he was in office. So you're allowed to talk good or praise one president, but you're not allowed when I, when I was called to be part of this commission to aid in economic and educational prosperity, and you make positive comment, all of a sudden it's not acceptable. So I'm not apologizing for saying, and especially when you're called by the president of the United States, you're going to say, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy. No, thank you. I didn't say that to the Obamas, and I didn't say that to President Trump. Bravo, good sir. Dare I say, I urge all of you to have the courage and the conviction of Bob Unanu, CEO of Goya Foods. I know the whole thing is kind of silly. I even cracked open a can of, of uh, black beans to eat them on camera as a gag. But it's fun. It's funny. And I hope it's a bit humorous. And to be honest, inspirational. They're, they're trying to come for this guy. They're trying to cancel his food brand. AOC has got like 7 million followers. She's literally telling her entire community and all of her followers, and she has many followers who are Latino, not to buy his products anymore. And that to me is absurd. He didn't come out and say Trump is the greatest person in the world. He says, when the president calls, you answer. No, I'm not going to apologize. That's what we need more of in this country. I am inspired by this man. And so I really do mean it. You can be a company that does whatever. And I mostly ignore it, though. I got to admit, in more recent times, the more things get out of hand, the less comfortable I am with like my pizza restaurant getting political. You know what I mean? Like Papa John's. Why was he fired? I really don't care. It's ridiculous. So I won't eat a Papa John's anymore because that was over the top. If, if, look, if you make pizza and you donate, I don't care. If you make pizza and you fire someone for some BS reasons, I'm sorry, man, I can't support your company. If you are the CEO of a food company and you, and you stand up for yourself, you defend your, your company, you defend the right to, to, to speak your mind and be positive, then you have my support. So yes, I will go to the store. I will buy Goya. And as for the rest of you, I hope you, you see this. Now, this guy can't get fired. That I understand. Okay, he's the boss. So what is he really worried about? But think about this now. All the people who work for his company can speak up knowing he's not going to fire him. I mean, he's made the stand. He said straight up, it's about freedom of speech. And no, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to apologize. We need more of this. If you find yourself as a boss at a company, let your let your uh, employees speak their minds. But within reason, the problem we're having is really an imbalance. Companies should not be issuing these, these big messages themselves, and employees should, get, should work together even if they disagree. If someone is mad that an employee has a certain view, well, too bad. You know, if a company wants to issue a political statement you don't agree with, by all means, say no. This goes for the employees of Goya as well. If there are employees there who do not like the political message coming out of this, although I think it's fairly weak relative to everything else we've seen, then by all means, speak your mind. In this instance, however, What's the real message? Thank you, Mr. President. That's ridiculous. 
I hope you all enjoy your Goya food products. I know I certainly will. I have the can of beans sitting next to me, and I guess I'll eat it later. It was worth the, it. Was worth it. The gag was worth it. For you may take our speech, but you will never take my Goya beans. I got more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you all shortly. And there it is. Good news, everybody. Black Lives Matter marches in New York can continue despite a large event ban, de Blasio says. The mayor said the demonstrators' calls for social justice were too important to stop. Says who? Okay, I want to I put on a big march right now for Goya beans because they're calling for, for, for a boycott. Am I allowed to organize a massive protest where we wave Goya signs? Defi- if you don't know, they're doing a boycott of Goya because he praised the president. I did a segment about it. But no, in all seriousness, who gets to decide what is more important than something else? I think my cause is more important. See, my cause has to do with defending the jobs of thousands of people who make food. And in this pandemic, we need food. So the people, essential workers who are risking their health and safety to make sure we get to eat delicious, delicious beans or adobo, perhaps that is more important. Therefore, I decree that despite your ban, I can have my pro Goya event, right? And therein lies the big problem. On the surface, banning events in general is a violation of the First Amendment. The First Amendment says they will not infringe upon the right to peaceably assemble, period, for any. It doesn't give you a reason. It doesn't say accept all these things. It doesn't say you can peaceably assemble for, you know, specifically political issues. No, anything. Peaceably assemble. Okay. I would like to peaceably assemble in order to watch one man kick a ball into a net. Why can't I do that? And why should I respect you when you do things like this? He actually said it. It's, it's quite amazing. He admitted it on TV. Mayor Bill de Blasio is permitting Black Lives Matter protesters to continue marching through city streets while canceling all large events through September. Speaking on CNN Thursday night, de Blasio said the demonstrators calls for social justice were too important to stop after more than a month of demonstrations have not led to an outbreak of coronavirus cases. In which case, how about I do a big march around a a stadium where we wear masks. If they're not spreading it, standing shoulder to shoulder while wearing masks, then why would you expect anyone else to to spread it if they're outdoor at a sports event? Yes, because they're lying to us. This is a historic moment of change. We have to respect that, but also say to people, the kind of gatherings we're used to, the parades, the fairs, we just can't have that. While we're focusing on health right now, de Blasio told, told host, Wolf Blitzer. Can we get some lawsuits or something? Anybody going to be suing over this? They're painting Black Lives Matter in the street. Crime is skyrocketing. And he's allowing overt violations of, uh, of his own executive order. How ridiculous have, have things gotten, man? Who would want to live in that city? The exception came as New York's rate of infections has remained consistent through the city, uh, through the civil unrest over the Minneapolis police killing of George Floyd. A late June study from the National Bureau of Economic Research found no evidence that coronavirus cases jumped in 315 cities in the weeks after the first protests. Researchers determined that protests may have been offset by an increase in social distancing among those who decided not to march. Spare me your complete BS. I can tell you very simply why it is that in these big cities, we are not seeing a spike in cases now. It's because coronavirus has already ravaged the town and congratulations, you now have herd immunity. So maybe that worked. Look, how many people died in New York? Like 30,000 people, some massive number. So yes, most people have gotten it. 
Now they're reaching herd immunity levels. Probably exact. It was probably helped out by the protests, in which case just we'd, we should reopen things, right? I'm sorry, man. We cannot function if you are trying to tell us that the ideology of your gathering affects whether or not you get sick. That makes no sense. I guess if you're if you believe in the faith of intersectionalism that will cure you and the preachers will grab you and grab you by the head and shake and push you down and say, you are cured, sir. Yes, perhaps intersectionalism is giving people these kinds of faith based cures for, for what ails them. How about in reality? No, it's either spreading or it isn't. The exception came as New York's rate of infections remain consistent. Yeah, we know that researchers reasoned the protests may have been offset um, by an increase in social distancing. OK, I'm sorry, I read that, too. The city hall shutdown will include big parades like the West Indian American Day Carnival in Brooklyn Labor Day weekend, the Dominican Day Parade in Midtown Manhattan, and the San Gennaro Festival in Little, Little Italy. The de Blasio administration will also deny all permits for events in parks it believes will unreasonably diminish public use, as well as street fairs and events stretching larger than one block or for gatherings that require a sound system. I have some advice, <clears throat> excuse me, to the purveyors of the West Indian American Day Carnival. I would advise you to carry on your event like normal, but make sure you put a very big sign that says Black Lives Matter. Now, as for the Dominican Day Parade in Midtown, my advice for you would be to carry on your parade like normal, but put a big sign up in the middle that says Black Lives Matter. And as for the San Gennaro Festival in Little Italy, my, my advice to you would be in this instance to put up a big sign right in the middle that says Black Lives Matter. And apparently by putting that ideology up, you're allowed to have your event. Now, I'm, I'm kidding, by the way, don't do it. The sad and pathetic reality is they are telling you to your face, you want to come outside? You want to see your friends? You want to celebrate your history? Only if you bend your knees to our ideology and fly our flag. Otherwise, it's to the to the jail with ye, huh? Well, I'm kidding. You probably got a fine of some sort. Well, listen, what's been going on will continue to be going on for some time. And I don't I don't see this stopping at any point. This is becoming normal and we should not accept it. Black Lives Matter mural in Chicago is defaced to read all lives matter as cops hunt vandals who could be charged with hate crimes over the act. Why? Hate crimes. Is the painting itself a minority? No, it's a painting, a political slogan. They have chosen this so that if you speak out against their their, their violations of the law and the Constitution, they say, well, you're racist. And that, my friends, is a hate crime. What about Goya matters? Can I go out and demand that we have a right to put up signs for Goya foods? Food is more important than ideology. In these trying times, I truly believe it. The answer is obvious, no. And I'm being silly for sure. But I think it's fair to say that any reasonable person would ask you if you had to make a decision, which is what's more important. I'd say the Goya factories remaining open because they provide food and jobs to people. Most, most importantly, food. Why should we give special leeway to a political ideology, but no other political ideology that is not legal? Can we get some lawsuits in the house, man? I'm not really going to have a parade for Goya, mind you. Police are investigating after a Black Lives Matter mural painted in Chicago was defaced to read All Lives Matter. Supporters of the mural, which is 100 feet in width and runs along a roadway in the Oak Park neighborhood, were left shaken by the <laughs> is this real shaken by the act of vandalism which occurred sometime on Tuesday night. On Wednesday morning, community groups came out to wash the graffiti off and mural uh, off of the mural with a power hose. 
it cleaned up really well. But there are some areas that the artists eventually may want to look at restoring some of the paint. Oak Park art official Camille Wilson told uh, White, uh, Camille Wilson White told the Chicago Tribune, no one has yet been arrested by the van- uh, for the vandalism, but investigators claim they have gathered evidence they hope will identify the vandals. So we can see they're cleaning it, I suppose. The mural was completed less than a fortnight ago by volunteers. It is one of many Black Lives Matter murals which have been painted on sidewalks and roadways across the country following the death of George Floyd. In Washington, D.C., Mayor Muriel Bowser unveiled a large mural established close to the White House. On Thursday, work began in a giant Black Lives Matter mural painted on Fifth Avenue right outside the doors of Trump Tower. And there you go. I'm sorry, man. Look, I think this is this is it. This is our future. This religion is has a major foothold. People support. It's widely popular. As Tucker Carlson noted, it's more popular than both political parties. And now we have, I believe it's the founder of BET saying Black Lives Matter should form their own political party. And you know what if they did? It would probably crush the Democrats. So I'll tell you what. How about this? To all the progressives. You know what? Fine. Why don't you establish a political party called Black Lives Matter and run a candidate? I think you'll do very, very well. Why not do it? I gotta, I'll got i say this. While I may disagree with the... I have no problem with the message. None whatsoever. I have no problem with the politics. None whatsoever. I have a problem with the authoritarian application of and a violation of civil liberties. If you want to believe in communism, social justice, intersectionalism, I don't care as long as what you do is by the book, equality under the law, and everyone is treated fairly. But you're not doing that. Right now, they're giving preferential access and treatment to people who hold this ideology, and I will not accept that. So how about this? How about we actually get a third party in the race? It's about time, right? And maybe Black Lives Matter should be that party. And then we'll see what really happens. All the progressives can go for that party. We can see the Democrats go for whichever party, and we'll see how things play out. But I'll tell you what we can't do. We can't function and we can't exist so long as we have we, we have morality policing, people being arrested for for uh, painting on the street. But the people who paint on the street are permitted to do it. I understand the difference. All right. If somebody gets a permit to paint Black Lives Matter, I get it. You don't have a permit to destroy it. What we need to see now, like Judicial Watch has done, is sue so that they can get a permit to paint their slogans on the streets. And I tell you this. If the city has made the street a public forum, then I should be allowed to write whatever I want on the street as well. And who would be, and why stop me? Who can stop me? If you let them do it, then everyone should be allowed to do it. It's not just about the paintings, though. We've talked about the paintings. It's worse than that. Mayor Bill de Blasio went on TV and straight up said, you can't gather. Oh, of course, Black Lives Matter can. Now that to me is, is horrifying. Someone needs to sue, I guess, but it's always someone, right? Look, I don't do events. I'm not doing a parade. These parade organizers who are being shut down, they need to sue. We'll see how that plays out. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders have teamed up to basically give you Bernie Sanders wearing a Joe Biden mask. Yes, that's right. While Joe Biden is the face of who is running, the policy is being set by Bernie Sanders. You know what that means? Yeah, that means halt on deportations, $15 minimum wage, reparations, and of course, health care for non-citizens. You've heard it. This is a very, very radical policy agenda. So you basically have Trump, who's running as a moderate Republican, which means liberals. You can vote for the guy. I know his character and his demeanor. Or you can just jump off the far left cliff. Yeah, I think we've been placed in a very difficult position this year. You know, 
Republicans probably have, for the most part, little problem voting for Trump. There has been some disillusionment among some uh, Trump supporters, but I think a lot of the media is, is hyping things. They're, they're in a game of telephone and they're blinded by the fact that, you know, they, they, they write these negative stories about Trump saying he's going to lose and they all keep reading it and reinforcing it. And that may be why he won in the first place and they couldn't see it coming. But this, you mean to tell me this is going to win? Are you, are you, are you nuts? If this wins, I tell you what, man, then I will accept being wrong and I will, I will mock myself for this, uh, for this demeanor. But I, I tell you right now, I really see this, this, this platform from Biden and I'm like, dude, I, I, I don't think Americans want like this level of crazy. Let's read the story. Fox News says, a task force set up by Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders this week released a broad array of policy recommendations for the party's convention platform, part of an effort to find common ground between the party center and its left flank. The initiative represents an effort to bring together the more radical elements of the party, those who had supported Sanders, a self-described democratic socialist, along with Biden's more centrist candidacy. The task force mission, according to a statement, is to address six key areas, climate change, criminal justice reform, the economy, education, healthcare, and immigration. Notably, under a number, notably, a number of hot button issues for the left, including Medicare for all, defunding the police, the Green New Deal, and abolishing immigration and ICE, or abolishing ICE, are not explicitly mentioned in the recommendations. But the document does move in the direction of those outcomes. Though the end result is not what I or my supporters would have written alone, the task forces have created a good policy blueprint that will move this country in a much needed progressive direction, Sanders said. Biden, meanwhile, said it was a bold, transformative plan for our party and for our country. And I am deeply grateful to Senator Sanders for working together to unite our party and deliver real lasting change for generations to come, he said. You are not uniting the party, and I am deeply offended. You have gone off the rails. Bernie Sanders used to make sense. He did. He had some progressive positions, some far left positions. But for the most part, he said, hey, open borders, it's a bad idea, right? Because we want to help American workers. He said that letting in too many low skill workers would be bad for uh, wages. He said that this year, I believe it was this year in the New York Times. But now Bernie Sanders has just said, I don't care. Whatever the kids say, just write it down and put my name on it. And Joe Biden said, oh, what? You know, the thing. And so now what do we get? Two old people who don't care, who are out of touch and putting forward proposals that seem nonsensical. But hey, if you're interested in catering to the Twitterati, by all means, go ahead and do so. Regular Americans will be somewhere else. The economy. On the economic front, the document calls for 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave, as well as a $15 minimum wage, something that the party's left has been calling for for years. It also includes support for a House bill that would study the issue of reparations to black Americans for their years of slavery. They do this every four years. You know this, right? They're like, maybe now's the time for reparations. It's like, okay, they're not even talking about reparations. They're talking about an exploratory committee, which you know will come back with nothing. Democrats commit to the, and I'll tell you this, man. I think it was, was Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard was in favor of this. And many of her own supporters are posting online saying this is not the right move. Most Americans do not support this. It makes no sense to make most of the Americans, many of whom are immigrants, pay taxes for something they weren't here for. I mean, I get it, but it's, I don't know how you solve that problem. Let's go, to, let's go to policing and criminal justice. Radical reforms to policing have seen broad support within the Democratic Party in the wake of the police-involved death of George Floyd. Calls to abolish or defund the police are absent in the policy document, but it does include a number of reforms, 
including the banning of chokeholds, investments in community policing, and investigating patterns of police misconduct. The problem isn't chokeholds. The, poly- the, the, the problem is the application of chokeholds where they're not needed. In the instance of, I believe it was Eric Garner, they put this guy in a chokehold and claimed they didn't. And the guy was selling Lucy's cigarettes. It didn't need to happen. Now, what happens if you have someone waving a weapon around and you get, you get to subdue them? Well, a chokehold makes sense in that regard. You know why? If someone's got a dangerous weapon, you want as many options as possible for de-escalation. And that may, that, that may mean a chokehold. What's the alternative? Well, as many cops have said, their gun. That's what the Democrats seem to want. They said it would, create, it would provide federal funding to create a civilian core of unarmed first responders, including social workers, EMTs, and trained mental health professionals to handle nonviolent emergencies, particularly mental health emergencies and low-level conflicts. It claims the, this would allow police officers to focus more on serious crimes. 100% support. I don't think you need to call it a civilian core, though. I think police are civilians. <laughs> they live in the neighborhood, right? They're not like military or anything. But I do like the idea of what's been referred to in many countries as the civil guard. So yes, it would actually be, in my opinion, awesome. I completely agree with that. I I completely, completely agree with that. Healthcare. While there is no Medicare for all, which is one of Sanders' signature proposals, it does call for the establishment of a higher quality public option plan without deductibles, administered by the government, not private companies with no co-pays, allowing people to enroll in Medicare at 60 instead of 65. Democrats will also make available on the marketplace a platinum level federally administered health insurance option with low fees and no deductibles so that everyone will have access to this high quality, low cost plan. Low income Americans will be automatically enrolled in this federally administered option at zero cost to them. The document reads, how is that? How, how, how is that not Medicare for all? I'm sorry, you're saying low income people will just get it. That sounds like Medicare for all. Listen, on the surface, a high quality public option without deductibles. I support. I like the idea. Now, you're going to have to give me the financials before I throw my weight behind it. But I am in favor of a public option. I believe that is good competition. If you have overregulation in certain areas, that's a problem as well. So I really do think we need regulation reform 100%. Many people have complained that the regulations of the market has, has created a lot of these problems. And perhaps that was the goal because then you offer up the government as the only solution. And maybe a public option contributes to that. I think it's fair to say, and my position is, while I definitely lean in favor of regulations and social programs, we need to make sure that we do a review of all of these programs on a regular basis to make sure they haven't become a problem. And if in fact, the private market would be better, then maybe the answer is deregulating. I don't know for sure, though. At, at For now, on the surface, I think it sounds like it makes a lot of sense that we have a public option and private options because they compete. It's a good thing. I'm not sure we actually have that right now. Let's go down to illegal immigration. They say this. It calls for the end to the migrant protection protocols known as the Remain in Mexico policy. I actually disagree with that, whereby migrants are kept south of the border while their hearings went ahead. I think the migrant protection protocols makes a lot of sense. Sorry, it does. It would end the asylum cooperation agreement with Northern Triangle countries that had allowed migrants to either uh, to be either stopped there or return to those countries. No, I'm sorry. Trump is right on this front. If someone enters Mexico and Mexico offers them asylum, they should take it. There's no reason for them to bypass Mexico and try and come to the United States. If they're from Mexico and they try and come here, that's different. You know, if they if they get approved, they get approved. If they come through Mexico and they want to get asylum here in the United States, in, in the U.S., 
then they can remain where they are. I, I, I see. I don't see why that uh, doesn't. Uh, why, I, I don't see why that's bad. They go on education, but I want to. I want to make sure I hit on this point from Breitbart. The Unity platform with Bernie will give free health care to DACA illegal immigrants. They say in Joe Biden's Unity platform, Democrats are vowing to provide free American taxpayer-funded health care to illegal aliens who are able to enroll in the DACA program. So first of all, they would restart DACA and ad, uh, admitting way more uh, recipients for this program. They would then grant them access to the marketplace. Now that alone, it, it, I don't see it being that big of a deal. If people are paying for health care, then so what? If they're buying a service, that's fine, right? The issue is they, ex- they, they go beyond this. First of all, I do not believe DACA should be restarted. I do believe DACA as it stands today should remain. And for dreamers, I believe we need a path to, citizen- to, to citizenship. That's because we are compromising. We are saying, look, we got a ton of people here, brought here as kids. We have an agreement. Both sides don't agree, but we'll agree to say this one time if we then put an end to it. They want to reopen it. That's going to create an endless wave of problems for this country. You cannot exist as a country if you keep letting in more and more new people with no ties to the community. It's why we have bail in the first place for crimes. If someone is considered to have no ties to the community, they don't get they don't get bailed out because they'll flee. If people if you live in your area and they say this person's never going to leave, this is their home, then they bail you out because they know you'll come back. This works in the same way as it would for anything. If we open up the doors and say everyone can come in, they'll start voting for things because yes, they're trying to grant voting rights under the Breathe Act. They'll start voting for things in their interest, not in the interest of a community for which they have no ties. It needs to be considered that this will happen. And it'll be a net negative. So we need to make sure that we don't allow forces to come in and be a burden. We need to make sure that when immigrants come in, we properly allocate for how to provide for them to keep them safe and allow them to flourish. But I'll I'll keep this one short and I'll wrap it up there. There are some things I think are fine to agree with in this unity platform. The sad reality, however, is Joe Biden is not a moderate. And with this platform, they have unified to the best of their ability. But what this really means is that Joe Biden, who was already more left than moderate, has now compromised with the far left, creating a slightly far left platform, to which I mostly don't agree. We'll see if this is enough for the Democrats. But I got I got to say, I kind of doubt it. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time.